Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Did you miss us? It's been a few weeks. Um, this is episode 147, post-Mardi Gras, post-little vacation that I took, post-Pensacon trip that Dave took, Fredo's traveling the the uh, outer reaches of Louisiana. Um, so, uh, But anyway, we're, we're back, and we're here to talk about Star Wars because Mandalorian Season 3 started yesterday. Everybody Woo! celebrate. And I was just sharing with the guys... Um, everybody you have to go just go to uh, in your in your uh on your computer go to open up a web browser and go to google.com just do a normal google search and search the mandalorian and just you will and just go go from there and you'll you'll find some you'll have some fun play time um i'm not going to give it away so um i will say that grogu shows up and and uh he can, You're giving it away. He you can, said you he won't can, give it get, away. He can get into some mischief in your uh, in your search results. So, um, Dave and I were talking about this before Fredo jumped on. I mean, I just love Google does that every now and again. The Pac-Man thing that they had in Maps a few years ago. They also had Star Wars, where you're like in Google Maps mm-hmm. instead of a car, it was an X-wing or a Tie Fighter. You know, it's like it's just I, it's just great that they do things like that and in infinity war they had uh when you did some sort of search or even if, if it was any search i think you had the infinity gauntlet and if you clicked it then it would your search results would turn to dust one at a time so it was kind of morbid but fun um so anyway there you go there's a little there's a little little bit of a little easter egg for you to go play around with um but uh like i said it's uh we got a lot of we got a little bit of Star Wars news. Um, we're gonna forego trivia because I want I want Dave Dave uh, tried to one up me on the on the nerddom and he took the family to Pensacon, and we've had former um, guests the Nerd Cave Retro guys. They talked about Pensacon. That was the first time I heard about it, so I've wanted to go. Dave went. Yeah, give us a give us the Cliff's notes. Well, how was it? That was really good. Um, it was fun. Um, the uh, I, I'd say that it's um, it's a little more spread out um, amongst multiple venues um, than the one here in New Orleans. Like here, it's all just in the convention center, right? Um, I don't know. There may be a couple of ancillary events that occur, but um, there's that. Um, so it's. So it's a little more spread out in that sense in that, like, if you're wanting to go to a panel, you want to hear some people speak, um, you're going off site um, because they're holding it in the arena there. And so when you're at the arena, it's a little bit more uh, cramped um, because, again, they're trying to cram everything into the arena. Um, The all the product, you know, come spend your money kids uh all that stuff is 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 crammed in there um they have you know the people over the loudspeakers and you know hey they're this is where the autographs are and come get your autographs etc 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 um but we had um we had a so you know it's a little bit different vibe in in general um a lot of people dressed up uh, we had a good time. Our kids got some spending cash and they got to buy themselves uh, some things they don't need. Um, and mom and dad got to attend the uh, clerk's panel 
um, which was really, really fun. Um, and I don't think they made the rounds to New Orleans. Um, they, no, um, they did not. I want to think they were supposed to and then didn't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, I can't remember. Uh, but explain to the listeners, if you wish, um, why the clerks panel was so important uh, to you and your family. Absolutely. Um, my my wife and I met because of the movie Clerks 2. And uh, this was back in uh, some, not the early days of the internet, but like the uh, semi-early days, the adolescent years of the internet. Um, we uh, We were both on Kevin Smith's message board in the wake of that movie's release because we both liked it a lot and we wanted to talk to other people about the movie. Um, and I, you know, on the website, you could put your profile uh, information in there and you could link to like your personal website uh, or your MySpace profile. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and uh and so like there was this one person talking about south florida so i clicked on her myspace profile and it was my future wife um and uh so we met because of clerks too now the funny thing was is that because because kate on facebook she she mentioned you know that you were at the um at the clerks panel and that you and she got to ask you know make that point that you know that she and you met because of Clerks 2. And my response to her was at a donkey show with a question mark. And then she said, that's exactly what Jeff Anderson said in the panel. <laughs> that is exactly what he said. He asked us if we both like donkey shows, uh, to which I raised my arms triumphantly into the air. Uh, and then he pointed that out. He's like, look at the husband over there. He loves doggy shows. Look at him celebrating. And so uh, so that is my, my claim to fame now that uh, Jeff Anderson uh, is convinced that I personally enjoy a good donkey show. And and now uh, at some point, Fredo, I said to, to Dave, I said his kids are going to learn at some point, as we all do, what a donkey show is and their head's going to explode because <laughs> the first time they heard it was in reference to mom and dad. So. I love that story, though, that Kevin Smith tells about um, Rosario Dawson. How it's like he sold her on the movie. Like she read the script and was like, oh, my gosh, a donkey show. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. And and like he's like, you know, there's no actual donkey show happening in the movie. You know that. Right. But like wouldn't spoil it for her because he wanted her to sign up for the movie but what's even better on the on the facebook back and forth when i said donkey show the person right after me replied hey interspecies erotica (laughs) i was was just nerd them all down the all down the pike so cool no so um would you go again to pensacon i don't know if i would travel the three hours out of my way in favor of it over the other one it probably depend Um, on who's going to be there right i think so very much you know like you look at the lineups you figure out like who you want to see or you want to interact with and i think you make your determination based on that um but it was a good time and we have family and friends in pensacola we have ties there so that matters made sense Yeah. yeah made sense for us Cool. Well, uh, and like I said, we've uh, we've got some news coming on, but I have to tell you, I it dawned on me this morning 
as I was heading to work, I was like, because, you know, like I said, season three of Mandalorian started yesterday. And of course I watched that. Then I realized, oh crud, there was a new episode of Bad Batch. And so right away, I wish I could yeah. create the meme of the, you know, guy walking with his girlfriend and the, uh, and the other girl walking the other way and his head's cranked <laughs> to the side. And it's like Star Wars fan is the guy and the Bad Batch is his girlfriend and Mandalorian season three is the new, uh, the other girl walking away. That's the way we all were. It was like, uh, um, oh crap, I got to watch the Bad Batch. So I watched the Bad Batch today at lunch. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. We're not going to do a synopsis um, because there's a lot of episodes we've missed. Um, I don't think Dave, you've seen, I don't think you've seen the new episode yet. Um, but um, Fredo, have you seen the new episode? Did you watch that in Rayville? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I this episode. I'm probably... I probably miss one or two just because between Mardi Gras being sick, everything else in between, there was almost no time. But yeah, uh, no, I've been trying to keep it up, and it's gotten interesting. And it's they're they're doing the natural baloney thing of let's bring everything back around that you last saw a long time here. Let's bring this back and let's bring this back. And the last one was like if you love Republic Commando, this last week's episode was just nothing but commandos. So. So you're talking about today, you're talking about yesterday's episode, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. This week's episode. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, uh, I tell you what. Let's. Uh, um. We've got a couple news notes here. Um, let's save the one about the Mando timeline for the end because I think that's important going into uh, the discussion of the episode yeah. of the episode. Um, but one of the oh. big things i guess john john favreau and dave filoni have been on panels or something and they've been talking a lot so uh, john favreau was discussing with mtv inside about season three of mandalorian and somehow some way this thing about season four and he says quote season four yeah i've written it already we have to know we're going to tell a fully story so we map out dave filoni we just write each episode so I was writing it during post-production of these three because all of it needs to feel like a continuation and one full story. And while Dave is Ahsoka, which I'm producing with him, he's the writer and showrunner of that. So to understand what's happening on other shows, even Skeleton Crew, all take place in the same time period. So there's a lot more we need to keep in mind and stuff we've built up from previous seasons of Mandalore as well. So it's interesting. He's already said, because of the greater commitment they're having to make to these other Disney Plus properties, you know, Soda, Scout, and Crew, he's already gone ahead and just simply said, okay, well, this is where season four of Man goes. I believe he also said that um, there is no, like, there's not a cap right now on the seasons of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. He said there's not, like, some big finale that they're, mm-hmm. you know, gunning for, where it's like we're done after five seasons or whatever. It sounds like they're just going to, keep making seasons as long as they have stories to tell and you know they want them on you know disney plus so that's cool well and, and when you consider it i mean from the standpoint of you know we know that they're getting uh, uh live actors are not paid pascal inside the mandalorian suit so the commitment of their biggest star is continuing you know he could just show up and do voice recording you know knock that out in a week or so if it needs to be. So it's more about how far along they want to go with it. And it's interesting also that he's talking 
scout crew, which all we've heard are little trips and drafts about that, but that they're also considering, okay, how does this play? How does this play across this timeline of stories we want to tell? Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, next, uh, next news point, uh, let, okay. Let's hear what um, what is what is Liam Neeson saying about Star Wars, and why should we really give a darn? <laughs> so this is from a, yeah, so this is from a few is interesting because just as we're discussing more TV shows and more Star Wars on an everyday basis, Quiet Jane comes out. Maybe I'm not a fan of that. So he will an appearance on Watch What. Live a few weeks back with, uh, and they ask him, "Hey, look, you just did Obi Wan Kenobi. Would you like to come back and maybe do Quantum Adventures or something?" And he goes, "No, I'm not. There's so many of Star Wars. It's diluting it to me, and it's taking away the mystery and magic in a weird way." So uh, he acknowledged it was nice to do the little bit he did with you and at the end of Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, but very much is like, nope, I'm pretty much not interested in. Uh, says, I think if it was a film, you know, I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to TV, I submit, I have the big screen, you know. You know, but he recognizes that he's very lucky to do Qui-Gon Jinn, to do the Phantom Menace, but. Well, okay, so a couple things I'll say to this is that I had the same worries when Disney Plus started down. You know, is this is Star Wars going to become like Star Trek with all due respect to my Star Trek, you know, friends out there. Mm -hmm. It's like, there is so much Star Trek, you know, whereas we, we had the three movies and then the six movies and then the nine movies. But you know what I mean? It was like, there was, there was something about instead of having, you know, I mean, it, you, you had one really nice thing rather than, you know, a bunch of meh things. And that's always been my worry that Star Wars is going to produce, start to, you know, it's going to be quantity over quality. Um, and so far, I don't, I don't feel that way just yet. I feel like the stuff that they've put out has been, has looked like Star Wars has been pretty good quality. I mean, and I don't, I don't take into consideration the, the uh, animated stuff that, I, I kind of put that off the side, but the live action stuff, I think they've actually, you know, held up pretty well. And we can talk about that when we get into season three, but I don't know, Dave, what do you, what do you think? Do you think star Wars is losing its magic or are you concerned yet or still feeling pretty good? I mean, it's, it's kind of a complicated question um, because like I like, I tend to ask those. Um, <laughs> so like, I mean, for me personally, uh, I like that we have more Star Wars. More Star Wars is good. I like Star Wars more. Okay, I'll take it. I'm happy about that. Um, but, but, uh, I heard the the opening fanfare recently. Just like out of nowhere, it was just it just crossed my feed or something, and I was just like. And I just paused and I was taken aback and I had to like sort of sit back in my chair and just let it let it wash over me because it's so powerful and it you and, it, it, and it, bring, it brings back so many memories and I miss it. <laughs> I do. Um, 
And there's nothing else that can quite capture that feeling of sitting in the theater for the first time and having a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away show up on the big screen. And then that blare of horns that just gets you so amped and, and so excited for what's about to occur. And um, yeah, I miss that. I miss that feeling. And again, like you can watch the movies at home, the ones that exist one through nine and get that feeling um, lessened a little bit because it's not the same as watching it for the first time, but you can still sort of like immerse yourself in the nostalgia of that. Um, but I miss, I do miss it. Uh, and, and I, and, and I, I think like we've talked about they need to ramp up the movie making side of things in, and I think we've all sort of come to that point when in uh, talking about it on this show, they need to do more with the movie side. And specifically, I didn't, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't sure in my own head that like we need, and you know, we need episode 10. Um, but I, I, I kind of want episode 10. I think at this point of things, I, and is it just because of John Williams? I don't know, but like, I, I miss that excitement and that feeling of awe. Well, and this is that, a, this is on a tangent, but it, I, yeah. I agree with you. And that's why I, I think they should have used the fanfare and the crawl for rogue one and solo. I, I, I wouldn't have had any problem with that. Didn't bother me at the time, but now that now that we don't have it, I I I I would agree with you. I want it. I miss it. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. So um, yeah, no, I, oh, go I, ahead, Fredo. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I kind of see where he's coming from from the standpoint of if you grew up kind of like we did way back when when it was just a movie every three years and then gone for a decade or so. And then you get a few, another trilogy of years. It did become kind of like must see TV to take it a a different kind of way. You know, the idea of this was an event. This was special. This was rare. Whereas TV does give it a sense. It's it's here and you're going to get your eight weeks or your nine weeks or however many weeks of your TV show of your story. That's going to put you back in that galaxy far, far away. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing to go, I, I like it this way as opposed to that way. I'll, but I also do recognize that I like what they're doing with the Disney Plus shows, and I like the idea of giving different creators and different outlets and different voices an opportunity to play in Star Wars. You're not going to get that if it's a movie. A Star Wars movie costs way too much money, has way too many lives and reputations at stake for it to just, okay, Go try to do something wacky and fun or try to do something. Yeah. You know, you'll never get a Star Wars Visions if you're getting a movie. You're never getting, you might probably wouldn't even have gotten something like Andor if you're thinking of a Star Wars movie. Like everybody loves Andor, you know, after it was done. But the f- simple fact is, if you're making a Star Wars movie, that's not the movie you make. Because that's not going to have people, you know, you know, happy to go back and pay more to see it, weirdly enough. So I appreciate the opportunity that. Disney Plus gives to Star Wars and to creators to 
explore and be different and be unique. And I think that's going to, we're going to look back upon once we get movies again, because that's almost going to put the pressure on the movies to go, okay, you got to hit a level of this in order for you to justify the movie. You can't just simply be two hours of, of laser sword fights and dodge fighting uh, X-Wings versus TIE Fighters. We call it a day. you got to bring it. So I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to go to, you just said something about laser sword fighting, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second too. Uh, but, uh, you know, Dave, to your point, you know, about, you know, it kind of, kind of related to that. I mean, the movies, it became a communal event. You know, I never, I never camped out in line for tickets, but you're going to a theater with a bunch of other Star Wars fans, and it, and it's you're experiencing this as like as a family. You know what I mean? And whereas the TV stuff, it's like you know, it's Brittany and I watching you know The Mandalorian, which is great, but it, you know, so it's like I think it's almost like you have to create. I have some friends in Nebraska who um, for these premieres you know like the episode one of this you know they all meet at, as 500 first guys they all meet at this one guy's house and they watch you know watch it all together so they make it an event and so but theater and so that's that's tough to do because we all get into our you know just our lives where it's like you know okay I've, i'm coming home from work and we're gonna watch the mandalorian while we eat so i can then go to my next thing whereas a movie you're setting time a, a substantial amount of your time of your day to go experience this with other people. So I think that's important. Now, moving on though, real quick, Fredo sent us um, something in our private chat. It was uh, uh, somebody saying what Nick Gillard, who did the uh, lightsaber choreography for the prequel mm -hmm. trilogy, he released they've released footage of the, what was originally supposed to be um, the, the Count Dooku and Anakin. The duel between the Dooku duel. and Anakin. That, that was so much better than what we got. Oh my goodness. They need to stop releasing those <laughs> things because that was so good. Um, but anyway, I don't, I don't want to become that Star Wars fan. But uh, if, you, if folks, you need to go. Uh, it was on TikTok or something. But I'm sure you can find it probably on the interweb somewhere. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. What did what you guys think of I'm that? I, sometimes you wonder if it's just George, like being George, you know. I have full creative control. No, I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. I'll just rework it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had thought about okay, how do we get the duel that Duku had in two the growth in both the force and the skills of Anakin. And then also just uh, the moment where to go to cut off Anakin's arm and Anakin's lightsaber drop. And just like, that's an interesting piece. It's, it's a fun little way of showing that he's been at this for now for a while. Yeah. And he knows kind of what he's doing. So when the idea comes that, yeah, we're going to put him in the council, not grant him the rank of message, like, I mean, he got the leader of the, of the separatists and the, dark, the Sith Lord. Yeah, we're we're not going to treat him with that respect. Jedi Council acts in the kind of way, so I, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, um, George went a different way. I think I love the idea that people are going back and finishing up the special effect, like ever do the the bounce and everything. 
so that almost looks kind of like what it would look like in the movie theater. That's fun. Yeah. So uh, last bit of news that leads us into the season three of Mandalorian. Um, one of the things that John Favreau has been talking about is the timeline and it got everybody's ears wide open and eyebrows raised because he, somebody asked and then, a, then, and he answered. And then at another event, somebody asked again, just to make sure that that's what he meant. Um, yeah, apparently Grogu mm-hmm. trained with Luke for two years. Yep. Uh, the quote is this. So, because, yeah, he first went to on the Skype podcast with uh, Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, Katie Sackhoff, and then somebody asked him about, first he said Grogu had spent many years with the Mandalorian before leaving with Luke at the end of season two. And then he said right after two years had passed between the end of season two and the events of Book of Boba Fett. So here's the actual quote. He says, Grogu is definitely somebody who has spent time in both worlds. We know that he started off earlier in the Jedi Temple. We've seen flashbacks to that. And then we know that he's been rescued and spent many years with the Mandalorian. So seasons one and two are supposed to be many years. And then went back with Luke. Now we've been two years apart from him there training. What's interesting is that as he chooses to return to his friend, the Mandalorian, he's developed an attachment. It's interesting how that echoes in a way Luke's path when he was drawn to the attachment to his friends and how that helps shape the future. So later on, he, uh, it's, he's saying, basically, not only has been several years that, that Mando and Grogu were out having their adventures, but also then he spent two full years training with Luke before choosing to go back at the end of Book of Boba Fett. So here's the thing. I'm just I'm looking up right now because if we're... Okay, so we know that uh, Mandalorian... Um, started five years after return of the jedi right mm-hmm. five years after return of the jedi i'm looking when did the first order come well i guess how many so i guess rises okay well let's not worry about the first order uh force awakens is 30 years after mm-hmm. after jedi Maybe yeah okay. or is it is it after jedi or is it after the battle of yavin Anyway, so the, okay, we're so weeds now. Well, so okay, so we're not. I'm just. I'm saying we're, we're not concerned. We're not seeing the first order just yet. Okay, cool. Um, you know, but that's one of the things that's always driven me crazy. Is like one of the criticisms of like Obi Wan is like, how do you get to Tatooine so fast? It's like you're not watching mm-hmm. this in real time, people. I mean, it, it's unless they're giving you a time stamp. You know, unless you're watching twenty four. You know, you can you know this is happening within a day. It's like just because we have hyperspace doesn't mean that it's like you're instantaneously, you know, just drives me crazy. Um, so I do like the the idea that Grogu spent more time with Luke than just a few days. You know, no, that's a couple of years. But I was listening to a podcast today. What's interesting, and let's start talk about the season three. Um, and I'll, I'll as this is, as a lead in. Um, is that Grogu obviously didn't really learn any discipline from Luke because mm-hmm. Grogu no. was uh, Grogu was mischievous in this uh, in this episode, and we'll get to that. So, um, so okay, so let's start right. I mean, we don't, and we can just kind of 
just bounce things around. It's a wild tangent, right? The whole, the whole timeline thing is a little fuzzy, right? Not and not just because of this interview. Like Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett is is occurring at the same exact time as this, right? A Mandalorian, Boba Fett. This is like nine, ten years after Return of the or after Battle of Yavin. So basically, five years after Return of the Jedi, which I think we've. Fairly well established. Well, Book of Boba Fett then pretty much takes if Grogu is with Luke for two years, that means Book of Boba Fett basically is two years. Right. But also the flashbacks that like with the sand people, like dude hung out with the sand people or was in the how long was he in the Sarlacc pit? And then how long was he hanging out with sand people? Um <laughs> And it's like you've got some splaining to do. That's, that's yeah. five, More than half five years. Five years of that. Somewhere, Pablo, uh, what's his name, is Pablo Hidalgo's head is exploding because he has to go <laughs> write the essential timeline now. But I, you know, again, like some of this doesn't really matter, and I understand like people like freaking out. Oh my god! But it's like, well, look at Navarro, right? I feel like watch the progression of Navarro mm-hmm. from season to season to season. And, and like, yeah, okay. Some time has elapsed. Yeah. That just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. No. So, um, but yeah, that's my take on that. I guess we can, we can dive into that because Navarro's pretty much where we start. So, here. well, yeah, well, well, no, we don't. Almost. So let me, let me, let me ask you guys. Uh, did you, did you fall uh, victim to the thinking that you were watching a flashback until the Naboo fighter comes flying in? I thought we were watching Din's uh, baptism into the Mandalorian, you know, culture. And then uh, all of a sudden here comes, you know, they get start getting attacked mm-hmm. by a uh, huge snapping turtle garfish thing. Um but uh and then also the Naboo meth fighter. Eater. What'd you say? I missed that. Anyway. Um, I said meth gator. Yeah. So uh, cocaine bear. That's right, meth gator. Cocaine bear. <laughs> that was like space um, meth gator. But uh so I I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. It was I will uh, let me start just kind of an overarching thing. I, I enjoyed the episode and I think when we all talk about expectations, my expectations were that okay, we're it the first episode is not going to be a big whiz bangy, you know, hang on to your butts, kids. Here we go. Um, it was going to be setting up the dominoes and that's exactly what we got. We had to get all the players in place. I did find it funny that it was like, we had some, um, explaining of where Marshall Dune was and, uh, where grief <laughs> cargo was and um, things like that, but this was—I mean, this this whole episode was just a "Hey kids, remember where we've been um, and who who the players are." Um, I did find, like I said at the beginning here, I did find Meth Gator to be really. That's, that I mean, could have just had, you know, you didn't need to have a big special effects, you know, attack of a of a big fish. Um, could have just landed the Naboo fighter. I don't know. It was weird at the beginning. Um, but again, I liked the uh, seeing how Grogu, like I said, was undisciplined through this episode. 
Um, Grief Karga, I think, is going to be an interesting, more interesting character in this season. I think he's, and we can talk a little bit more about that if you want to, but I think he's uh, enjoying having power um, and wielding it. Um, it was fun seeing the Babu Frick people. That was kind of fun. There was some humor in this episode. Um, and a huge Rebels callback. Did you guys catch it when they're in hyperspace? Oh yeah. And Grogu was like, "Everybody, you got to, you oh, have to do the summer reading the here, Burgles? kids." Nah. Well, that okay. So the summer reading. Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Did somebody have to wa- sit down and watch that sh- show to understand what's going on here? Because again, we leap forward the major plot point at the end of season two was that Grogu departed Din with Luke Skywalker. And here we are, start of season three. And we're, we're together. And they're together. And they're together. And uh, no real, no real mention of it. Um, I think like okay, so there have been people complaining online about that. That is like, how did this happen? It's like, it, you, I mean, so I get their point, but on the other hand, it's like a lot of us have been saying, you don't have to watch all the Book of Boba Fett; just watch the last three episodes. You know, all my, and that's important before you go into this next season. Um, but yeah, go ahead. And, and I think like you could you could just even say you don't gotta watch it. You don't want to know what happened. You don't have to watch it. You just all you have to know is they're back together again. Really, but that's it. It che- it cheapens that the end of if you didn't see you know those three episodes of Book of Boba Fett, and all you did was go from season two of The Mandalorian to season three of The Mandalorian, then it cheapens that final scene where Din takes off his helmet and gro- and he's separated from Grogu, and then just to have it, you know, the beginning of the episode, they're in the same ship together. It it's, it cheapens the scene and it's very unsettling. So I see your point that no, yeah, just, just accept it. They're back together. It's all good. But, um, I, I would have, I, I kind of wish they would have put those, um, scenes from book of those episodes from book of Boba Fett just had those, as the final three episodes of Mandalorian season two. I don't know. It, it's I, or yeah. somehow work it in, but yeah. Would it have been more interesting uh, if they had done kind of like a Mandalorian? So like put this, I put those three episodes, as, you know, or the Mando stuff as a solo movie, so to speak, you know, so to let people know, Hey, this is part of the story ahead of, um, the return of uh, season three of Mandalorian, just because you're right. If, if you don't know that Mandalorian's in Book of Boba Fett, you're going to miss out. You're not going to know that Grogu's back with Mando, what happened. No, because the last time you left him, he had the Darksaber. Grogu had gone with Luke. And it looked like Mando was in a different world, in a different space altogether. Like his, his journey had come to one end and he was off to another. You wouldn't have known any of the stuff that he comes and talks to uh, with the armorer afterwards. You know, when he's talking about going back and finding the minds of Mandalore, 
I mean, we got the, uh, the the previously on scene, but it really feels like you needed to have done that summer reading with Book of Boba Fett at the very least. Yeah, they did repeat the armor scene, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. at the beginning yeah. of this episode. It was essentially the same scene, exposition, explain where you where you stand. And I guess, like, the little action sequence that we got at the beginning of the episode is, is Din's in, uh, in terms of, like, these people even, like, talking to him, right. you know, even engaging. Right. It's like, well, you saved her life. Okay, uh, we'll hear what you have to say. We'll talk to you for a few minutes. Um, and so like, it makes sense from, from a storytelling perspective, but then again, it's covered territory in case somebody had not watched, um, book of Boba Fett, but, uh, I, you know, it's such an interesting question to me because like rarely, Ooh, sorry, Lucy. Yeah. Lucy Um, agrees with me. um, (laughs) Rarely have you seen um, a show just sort of set aside this plot point and actually put it into a spinoff show right <laughs> and then not ever resolve it in its own show <laughs> and you have to go watch the spinoff show you know it's you know i i don't necessarily feel played or or, or i don't feel mm-hmm. like it was especially crass um they didn't get any extra money out of me in this deal you know like other than my subscription dollars i didn't let my subscription wane but um, you know, it is kind of an interesting choice, like storytelling wise, like, why would you do that? How would you do that? I don't understand. Yeah. It, it feels more like a, like something that you see out of a comic book or even I was, I was going to say the MCU, but even the MCU doesn't do this. This is more like if you ever read comic books where a major plot point that happens to Spider-Man may happen in an Avengers comic book, so to speak, and they'll reference it in the next Spider-Man comic book, but you won't really get that repeat of it, you know, whereas, you know, normally TV shows are very good. I mean, this isn't just kind of sort of a big deal. This is the central tenet of the story of Denjarin is his relationship with Grogu and how he had spent two seasons trying to find him, you know, connect him with the Jedi. And then all of a sudden, hey, the show's back and he's back. And if you didn't bother to go see Book of Boba Fett, well... You may be lost and confused as to what's going yeah. on. I mean, it's it's like the Jeffersons and all in the family were in the yeah. same universe, if you will. They, one was, a, you know, Jeffersons was a spinoff mm-hmm. of all the family. And, and you might have seen like a cameo, you know, in right. one of those. But you're not, you're right. It, you're not going to just be like, all right, hey, now we're going to watch all in the family for the next three weeks. And then we'll be back to the Jeffersons. Um, so, I mean, putting all that aside, um, we are where we are. But again, I think because of that, I think they were forced to start off the way they did because it's like, we know that we're not going to have a lot of people who have watched those last three episodes. So let's remind everybody why Din Djarin's in trouble with the Mandalorians. Um, I, I do find it interesting, though, that it, since it wasn't a flashback, where are they getting the little kids? <laughs> are, we, are we assuming that this kid is a foundling or... Are they, mm-hmm. you know, are they recruiting? Are they, you know, yeah, are they, are they, I guess they don't have to take off their helmets. They can take off other Mandalorian parts. And then, you know, when a mommy Mandalorian and a daddy Mandalorian love each other, they, <laughs> maybe things happen. But, um, but I, I don't know. It's, that's going to be kind of an interesting thing because we're going to be getting into this. I mean, Bo-Katan later 
talks about it being a cult. So there's going to be, a, right. you know, they keep hitting this home that it's a cult. And I wonder, um, I don't know. It'll just, let's, so, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting off track. So, okay. So he meets up with the, the armorer and he says, Hey, if I go take a bath in the Springs of, uh, you know, the mines of Mordor, wherever he has to go. Uh, if, he, if he dips himself in the healing waters of Lake Minnetonka. Yes. Um, that's right. Uh, <laughs> that he, uh, that he is then forgiven. And she says, this is the way. And it's like, well, okay. So anyway, so he's got to go to Mandalore, but he says, I got to go see a friend first. And we go to Navarro and yeah, Dave, you're right. Navarro looks like a really nice place. Um, it's and you're right that I've seen other clips of this where, you know, look at Navarro in season one and in season two, it's gradually getting nicer and nicer. Um, mm -hmm. But something struck me weird with Grief Karga. Like I said, he obviously he's the high mat he's high magistrate, and you got to make sure you call him the high magistrate, not just magistrate. Otherwise, he gets mad. So mm -hmm. he likes his power. That's clear, and he doesn't want to be part of the New Republic. That's he said. You know, Mandalorian said, "Why don't you get a New Republic?" Because first of all, I love the throwaway. What about Marshall Dune? Oh, she's in Special Forces. <laughs> da, 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 she was pulled back to her planet. Yeah, she's no, she, no, 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 no. <laughs> She's poochie. <laughs> yeah, she got poochie. Um, so they they had to, they they explained away why we don't have Cara Dune. He's because he's trying to get Mandalorian to be the marshal. And he said, "Well, why don't you get New Republic?" And he's like, "No, we're going to be an independent system." And I think you're going. My guess, I think you're going to see Grief Karga become almost a little mini emperor of his own planet somehow palpatine returned well end, it's interesting because what the train of thought that i had watching uh word has happened to navarro and to grief it's much in the same way i don't know if you ever watched this old hbo show deadwood where it's all about the old west and mm -hmm. this town in the black hills of montana and basically the whole idea is how desperate dangerous reckless people are the ones who kind of take civilization and bring it out there and form the new communities and whatnot and and at first they're all you know really bad and really rough and you can die at any moment but slowly but surely as more people move in you you know you almost start whitewashing the history of the people who found it until they're no longer dangerous mean people they're the founding fathers of our community and therefore they're idolized we get statues of them and they get put in history books look all nice and clean and it's almost in a similar way that's what happened to navarro and i think in some ways that's what grief karga is fighting for he's fighting you know he's had the opportunity to get rid of anybody who might oppose his vision he's turned the the bar the saloon into a school it looks nice and clean and pretty and right in the middle of it he put a nice statue to his old buddy ig11 who if we forget it was an assassin droid yeah yeah you know well i i guess my point and i and again it's just it just seemed the way he was kind of just the way he was it seemed i kept thinking of like have you ever seen the south park episode cartman land where Cartman, mm -hmm. you know, gets a million dollars 
uh, inheritance from his grandmother. And so he goes and he buys uh, an amusement park. All so he can have the amusement park to himself. And then mm-hmm. he finds that, you know, he needs security. So, okay, well, I'll let a couple people in, you know, to get, they'll pay tickets and then I can, you know, have security. Then I'll, nope, we, the rides break down. So I need to pay somebody to fix the ride. So I'll let a couple more people in. And eventually Cartman has built up the, it's back to the way it was. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if we're seeing Navarro at a peak and are we going to, is this going to be kind of a microcosm for what happened with the new Republic really? You know, mm-hmm. that once, mm-hmm. you know, they have this new thing, corruption sneaks in. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about IG 11. That was kind of an interesting thing. And a lot of people are kind of torqued off that, uh, I'll have an article, I'll send it to you guys, but, um, they're torqued off that we're going back and reviving, uh, a a former character yeah um i i don't think they would uh make the move if it weren't a popular character to begin with um but uh i think it makes a lot of sense from din's character's point of view um we know that he has uh, a lot of trauma associated with droids we know that He's not entirely over that, or at least he hasn't been through the first two seasons of this show um, to the point where um, they didn't really emphasize this in quite the way that I would have hoped that they might have. But like at the end of season two, um, he's battling these dark troopers that are basically force imbued droids um, that uh our nightmare fuel and eerily reminiscent of the battle droids that caused his initial trauma when he was a uh, foundling and so um for him i need a droid for this job it would naturally follow that it would only be a droid that he would feel comfortable with who he had um who he had learned to trust and, that, and that's IG-11 for better or worse, because as we've seen, as we saw in this episode, he's not like 100% all there. And uh, that, wasn't, uh, that wasn't great for him. Do you like the, the Terminator-esque scene? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, with the, him losing without his legs, dragging himself, yeah. trying to... Uh, and it's interesting that his, that his uh, baseline uh, programming was you know, Grogu's the target, destroy the target. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, I, like I said, it, it is interesting. And this is one of the things that's in that article. It's like um, they talk about, you know, C-3PO in The Rise of Skywalker. You know, mm-hmm. he actually, that's kind of a noble sacrifice. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then what they do is just, Oh, we'll have R2 upload his brain and C-3PO's back, kids. Everything's fine, yeah. kids. You know, where mm-hmm. it would have been a powerful story moment that C-3PO makes the ultimate sacrifice for his friends. It would have been right. heartbreaking. You know, it's K2SO, and they did that with K2SO in Rogue One. Um, so here we are again. And so I see the point where it's like, you know, IG-11 makes a noble sacrifice and we kind of cheapen it by, oh, we'll just put them back together and we'll get the part and everything's going to be fine. 
at least that's where it seems that it's going. I don't necessarily know if it's going to go that way, uh, but it was interesting. I, it's a mm-hmm. valid perspective to have, but again, I think like from the storyteller's perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense for Den to go that route, whether it's successful or not, right? And maybe the most intelligent thing they can do is have that quest not prove successful. Um, I, I love Grogu using the Force for just fun to spin <laughs> the chair or to get the little treat. But again, I think that's showing a character thing with, again, he's undisciplined. And mm-hmm. I think his, his power is it's, you know, when, um, the line, I think it's in, in, uh, empire, they said when Luke says, I can feel the force and Ben says, but you can't control it. You know, Grogu has and enough power. He doesn't, it, I think he's going to run into some issues of, you know, causing more problems than, than good. But, um, and I think that's where it gets interesting to hear that from Fabro about the two years of training, because it, it almost seems even that like that would be even more dangerous. You know, like it's almost like it would have been better if Luke had not trained him just because, you know, with a bit more training, you know, he's, He's just trained just enough to become a threat to himself or others versus uh, before where he didn't know anything. It was just relying on instinct. Uh, it gets a different dynamic. So um, it, it, the only the other thing it made me think of is how uh, in that video where they're talking about the uh, Revenge of the Sith duel is that how Dooku drives Anakin towards anger and that's where Anakin really starts showing his power. Because it's connected emotionally to yeah. uh, to that side of himself, and and it's almost the same thing with Grogu. It's like, well, what happens if you push him to? <laughs> what happens if you make Grogu mad? How's he going to react? So after a little showdown with some pirates um, who want Navarro to be, you know, rough and tumble again, and they want to go drink in the schoolhouse. But anyway, after some of them get shot down. Um, and uh, Mando says no to being Marshall. Uh, he's off to Mandalore. He's off to Mandalore. Um, and we're in hyperspace. And Grogu's looking out the window. And this is where, okay, kids, we're going to teach you something. If you haven't watched Rebels, um, you see a silhouette that Grogu is looking at when they're in hyperspace. And it looks like it, it, if it looks like a big whale with uh, squid tails, that's what it looks like. It's called a purgle. And the purgles were the creatures that um, gave, um, I suppose, everybody else the idea that, hey, we can travel through hyperspace. It was because they have the ability to fly at light speed. And so... Um, they discover the hyperspace lanes and how everything like that. So that's kind of explained in some rebels episodes and the Purgle are very important to where Ezra and grand Admiral Thrawn are. Remember Ahsoka said in Mandalorian season two and her duel said, where is grand Admiral Thrawn? It's wherever the Purgles took them. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> Purgles, hyperspace whales, um, go watch some rebels. But I thought that was kind of a neat little ad um in there what do you guys think mm-hmm. what did what did you go you know when i was seeing this i was like what are we what are we seeing here and i start going oh and Brittany's like what 
And so I had to explain what purgles <laughs> were, you know. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, if you've watched uh, Rebels, I think you'd pick up on that. And, like, is that a little Easter egg for uh, Ahsoka? Maybe it is. But, um, I, you know, like, what I found uh, where my mind sort of wandered during that sequence, because I thought that that was, like, um, the most obvious connection that we could make. Um, the novels, uh, the, the recent novels have done a really interesting job of tying the concept of space travel into the force. Um, and the Thrawn ascendancy novels in particular, uh, the people that are able to um, serve as sort of navigators for uh, the Chiss um, are called Skywalkers. <laughs> you know uh which is kind of a fun little nod um and they are able to basically through the connection to the force help them navigate through thorny patches of space um like the castle run etc um though they aren't making that particular run i'm just or saying, like, like trying to get the that would be an example yeah or yeah. exegol um and so um it's through that connection with the force that they're able to do that. And I think like, that's really kind of cool. Um, the, the, the first, um, high Republic novel light of the Jedi. There was a, there was an incident in hyperspace that, that caused like the major plot elements there. And the Jedi were heavily involved with like unraveling that mystery and figuring it all out. And so, um, I think there are other examples out there that sort of point to this general idea that um, hyperspace itself is kind of tied in with the, the force. And um, it's kind of an exciting idea to think that we could explore that even further um and, and begin to learn more about like what is that connection all about so maybe Does that's why maybe that's why grogu can see the purgle mm -hmm. okay um and, and like again like i immediately went there like we're that's doing four stuff so um but fredo i don't know what you what you thought yeah i mean first of all just seeing them live is not well seeing their silhouette in the effect was really nice because again we know that because Ahsoka is coming, you know, as the story of Ahsoka and Thrawn has already been mentioned, Purgles have to be around. So I love that it's that it was just a little throwaway that if you know what it means, or if you know if you saw Rebels, you know what it means, that it adds to you, but it doesn't take anything away. It's just one of those mysteries of the galaxy that okay, if you have no idea, you just kinda ask me, that's interesting. I wonder what that is. That and that Grogu is just connecting with them, you know, on a Force-sensitive level, yeah, I'll be which would make sense. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what they have in store for that, because they could have done that in any other previous episode of The Mandalorian, but it seemed, I, I don't know, to do it in the first episode mm -hmm. uh, it makes me wonder what, they, what, they've, got, uh, what they've got lined up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it seems like yeah, that was part, that was by design every particularly this first episode a lot of the a lot of the stuff that they set up feels the design to uh be called back upon one way or another so then 
we get to Mandalore, one of the one of the one of the planets of Mandalore, and I love the fact because I was actually thinking about, man, they should like start putting like what they did in Rogue One with this is the you know little subtitles at the bottom. This is the planet you're on, and then all of a sudden Din says, "This is such and such planet. It's one of the Mandalorian." It, it gave <laughs> he gave the exposition. I just thought it was awesome. But anyway, so well, okay, so like that's one of the things where I was like, eh, I, I get. I get it, and I think it's it's really clever. I would I would have rather had the text. It was it was very goofy for him to just you know say him explaining to Grogu the entire planet's one big city. Yeah, (laughs) like that's like that's the advantage of having this uh, teacher student relationship. Like like he can narrate for us at times. But sometimes they might take that a little too far. And I think like they did there. But so the thing that I found, so he goes and he goes to talk to Bo-Katan and Bo-Katan is pissed. And, but the thing that I found so interesting, the way she is sitting in the throne is the exact same way that Darth Maul is sitting in the throne. Um, when we last, we saw him on Mandalore when he and Ahsoka at the end of the Clone Wars and also in one of the Clone Wars episodes prior when he actually was Mandalore, but with the, with the leg draped over the, the side, the arm of the chair, she is sitting in the exact same pose. It is so that I, that I find was an interesting tell that Bo-Katan isn't necessarily a friend right now. And then she comes out and pretty much says it too. She's like I said, she's just ticked because um, she doesn't have the dark saber. She feels like she's cheated out of her birthright, I suppose, or her, you know, she wants to be leader. And so she's not too helpful to Din Djarin. I I think there are two quick interpretations that i that i would pull from like her her posture and like her body language there like you could look at it as being exactly what you're saying like essentially a lion sort of just lounged and just like i'm really comfortable here but i could tear your face off at any second right um but like the the alternate take on that would just be like she don't care (laughs) she doesn't care about formality she didn't care about any of that stuff it's just like I don't care. Um, and so, like, I think, like, what's fun is you could read either of those, or it could be a little of both. And in, 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 in I just that. like how I just like how it looks exactly like the way, like I said, the posture that Maul was taking, you know, on Mandalore. I just thought that was interesting. Um, but again, this this interaction didn't really need to happen, except for the fact that we need to remind people of who Bo-Katan is and why she's miffed. And remind you about the dark saber, and you know, so it was all just again re rehashing, I suppose. Yeah, but also I think it's in nature of uh, if you remember the last time we saw the dark saber, the last time we saw uh, the implications of what that means was when um, uh, Gideon told <laughs> Din Djarin about it, basically. And basically told them, nope, you can't give that to her. She tried that once and it didn't work. So uh, it has to, you know, you kind of have to bring back that level of stakes. And, and what I like about it is that they didn't just say, oh, this is what the implications are. 
this is now fact. This is now the impact. And I love the, that she's ticked off, but it's almost like she's ticked off with the rest of her people. She's not necessarily ticked off. She's ticked off with Din, but it's less having to do with Din Jaren's actions. It's more about the fact that, wait a minute, she's somebody who sacrificed for Mandalore, sacrificed for the Mandalorians on every aspect of the way uh, that you could imagine. And yet... Th- that that makes her not good enough because she doesn't have the magic gl- uh, glowy stick well, to wave around over her head. And that's the thing is that I find it very interesting that again we're going to have the Mandalorian factions. You know we're going to have the Hatfields and the McCoys here in this season. And you've got one side. You've got the Children of the Watch. You've got the the armor and all the people who are their big thing is you don't take off your helmet. This is the way. And. Bo-Katan's side of things are making fun of them basically you know for that you know being zealots of that but then on it but Bo-Katan and her people worship a sword mm-hmm. and so yeah. so first of all you're going to have obviously there's going to be some sort of um, standoff conflict whatever you want to call it between Bo-Katan and Din Djarin. and maybe, maybe we'll have some like Harry Potter type thing where she knocks the sword out of his hand like when they're fighting other mandalorians or something like that and so then you know it's like when when uh harry disarmed draco so automatically the the elder wand is his i I think there's probably going to be some loophole in there but there's there's a conflict there between uh bo-katan and din um so yeah, so I, I think that's all going to be a thing. And then the thing that Brittany said at the end of that scene, she said, I hope this isn't the only episode that we have her in. I said, well, I don't think I, it I is. Doubt but, it. But, I mean, it's like one of those things where you could see where she doesn't show up for another, you know, we know that she's going to be in more because we've seen the trailer mm-hmm. and things like that. But such a good character. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those instances where the history that Katie Sackhoff has with the character helps tremendously in the performance that she gives because she's voiced Bo-Katan for decades now. So she's had to think in her headspace how this character would react to stuff, how she would think about stuff. And so all of that's impacting on what we're seeing on screen when Bo is sitting the way she's sitting, when when she's basically calling Din out and all the other Mandalorians out, when she's telling him flat out, no, all, all that thing glass and, uh, you know, yeah, feel free to go and try to, you know, and kill yourself uh, trying to find the, the mystical healing waters underneath the city that were turned to glass by the Empire, you know. Now, good luck. You know, all of that's being uh, couched by the fact that she knows what she's talking about. She, this isn't some ancient memory for her. This is the life she's lived for the last, you know, you know since before we knew her. So she knows when she speaks of when she says about the destruction of Mandalorian of Mandalore, she lived it. She's very disillusioned at this stage mm-hmm. of things. Um, and I think like justifiably so. And uh, I like the idea that um, she could act as a kind of um, maybe a conscience uh, for Dan as, as, as he progresses along his journey See, this season. And, and I take it on another side, Dave, that I think mm-hmm. that Din is actually going to act as a conscience for Bo-Katan and the armor. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going, yeah. he's going to be the one, he's going to be the glue that brings these two 
to, to bring Mandalorians together. And it's not because he has a saber or because he keeps his helmet on. You know, I think he's going to remind people what it means. Actually, I think he's the one who actually knows what it means to be a Mandalorian. Um, I, and that would be a really fun direction for them to take things too, which is like not, mm-hmm. the saber is the misdirection, which is like the reason everybody would come together around the saber, right? Um, no, it, it actually it takes the person wielding it to achieve that. And uh, I could see that being him. I could also see that, see him just totally being like, nope, that ain't me. <laughs> and walking away yeah. from that. But also, uh, what's interesting is also when you consider Bo-Katan is, to, for lack of a better term, she's a native Mandalorian. She was born in Mandalore, raised in Mandalore. So is the armor, as far as we know. Din is a foundling. So he was brought up in the way of the children of the Watch, but he could, he's almost in a, coming at it from a different point of view. All this stuff has been taught to him. It's not, you know, whenever he sets foot on Mandalore, this will be the first time he's ever been there. So, so he's going to come at it from a different point of view than Bo Katan or the armor. So Fredo, you're uh, you're saying he's not from here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not from here. He's not. He's not. He's not a. He's not native. He's not a native. He was not born here. What high but school? You know, what, what, high, what high school did he go to? He, he did not go to any high school. He did not go to Sundari High. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I couldn't, I could not resist. Okay. So what, what did I, what did I forget? So after the Bo-Katan thing, what happened? I'm trying to remember the, how this episode. That was, that was basically that how was it basically ended. She, it. Told, yeah, yeah. she told him how to get where he needs to go and, and watch it, your caboose. GTFO. Um, okay. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, like I said, I, I didn't mind it. And it's not like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, season Season two, the first episode where we fought the crate dragon, that was really exciting. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that was a great first episode. This was a necessary episode. Right. Because of the way it was like we go back to, you know, Ryan Johnson, for all the good he did, painted himself into a corner. And so there was a lot of things that they had to do in the Rise of Skywalker, you know, that just had to do. And so right. I think I think this episode, this first episode, was a necessary. It's the first day of school. You're reminding everybody what they learned in math last year. For that, you're not going to dive into the new stuff the first day. It's going to be, you know, we're going to practice what we did last year so we can get the brain running. And so it was necessary. And and I also think, in a way, it's almost it's introduced introducing the central the central question or thesis of this season, which is about all about how do you define being a Mandalorian? And is it a question of, do you follow the creed as the children of the watch say? Is it a question of just being born on Mandalore like Bo-Katan? Or is it a question of wielding a dark saber? Or is it more about the service or how you help your community the way that Chris well, Karga wants them to be? I so it's a, it's, it's a different dynamic that everyone's introducing. And then is the one in the middle who's going to have to make these choices. I cracked the joke, but I mean, that's, that's honestly, that's an honest conversation Mm -hmm. that happens here in this city that it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, if you're not, there's, there's a faction of people that if you're not from here, you really don't belong. But then there's also people who are like, no, you've been in New Orleans for a long time and you do all these good things. You are, you are one of us. You know, so exactly. there, there's there's competing things, and it probably happens in in all sorts of communities, but um, it's very strong here. 
Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, for right or wrong or indifferent, but that's the way it is. You know, um, right. and so like I said, I've I've ran into people who have said that no, you you've been here long enough, you know, and you you do good things, you're from here. But then there are other people who's like, you know, it's like you ain't from here, you know. So I think that is something that's going to come into play in the Mandalorian, like you said. Is yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of identify with that. I, I know that Aaron, you can, um, and uh, maybe Fredo, even you can relate to it, even though you've been here, mm-hmm. for, you've been here forever. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, day, yeah, this community's like that, um, mm-hmm. more, more so than other communities, and and so, like, for, for us, this is a personal story to see, to see mm-hmm. that kind of unfold for a person. You're not, uh, you're not Mandalorian enough. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm nolier than thou. So yep. I'm a Mandoier mm. than thou. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, and it's a thing. And uh, for me, I get, I, I, I have a little more personal investment in watching this story. And the other thing too, I, I want to briefly say that like this show uh, gave me some warm fuzzies just getting to watch it again. I, I talked mm-hmm. about how the, you know, encountering, encountering the fanfare and just missing that and missing that experience and missing the bigness of it. Mandalorian's is like a different thing. It's, it's not that, but um, I did miss it. Um, and, and this, this show has a different feel and a different dynamic and the sound is different and the look is different. Um, I think Andor was excellent, but this mm-hmm. is a different show. Um, this is a very different show than that. I'm not going to say one is better than the other because everyone's trying to get into that right now. I, I, I'm seeing that online. Oh, well, you know, I need to, I need to express why one show is better than the other. It's like, no, there's a lot of room for star Wars, different kinds of star Wars. It's, it's and, like comparing and the Beatles all... and Metallica. I mean, it's, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, they both yeah. play rock and roll, but you know, very different. Yeah. And I, you know, like for me, it's just really good to have it back hearing the theme at the end of the show, you know, the triumphant, bah, 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 you know, I was like, yes, yes, it's back. I'm so happy. So uh, I was just happy to have it back. But everybody, don't forget the Bad Batch. Bad Batch is still no. going on. And I will tell you guys, they are, they've ramped it up this week. So we won't spoil mm-hmm. it for Dave, but they've ramped it up this week and started getting us on to the, the story that we wanted from the first episode. So, um, cool. Well, all right. Well, next week we'll talk about episode two and, uh, we'll see what happens there. And, uh, until then, I suppose we will say who dat, who dat, and uh, everybody enjoy your the rest of your week. And uh, only a couple weeks to St. Patrick's Day, so you only have a couple couple weeks off before you're back into celebration mode, everybody. So otherwise, we'll see you later. Have a good one. My